This is episode 50 of Ships with award-winning poet and filmmaker Max Stossel. Welcome to Ships. My name is Pat McCandrew and I am a professional actor, speaker, and coach. In every episode, we discuss a message related to the most important vessels in our lives. Thanks for being here today. Now let's set sail. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ships Podcast today. I hope you are all doing well and came to this episode ready to listen, ready to retain, and gain some great insight from our guest for this episode, who is Max Stossel. Max Stossel is an award-winning poet, filmmaker, and speaker named by Forbes as one of the best storytellers of the year. His one-man show, Words That Move, is currently selling out theaters all over New York City and is beginning to tour in select locations. Spanning across five continents from Lincoln Center in New York to the Horton Pavilion in Sydney, Max's performances have been described as mind-expanding, profound, emotive, and hilarious all at once. His work has been translated to 14 languages, won multiple film festivals, and has been viewed over 20 million times online. Max is also the head of education for the Center for Humane Technology, an organization of former tech insiders and CEOs dedicated to realigning technology with humanity's best interests. Before joining CHT, Max was a media strategist with an extensive background in social, spending more time learning the ins and outs of the Facebook algorithm than any human should. The merging of these fields has allowed Max to provide a fascinating perspective on modern content and culture. He is currently performing words that move in theaters, speaking or performing at schools, corporations, and events, and helping select brands tell their stories in his style via video. So get ready for an incredibly thought-provoking episode of Ships with Max. We talk a lot of good things in this episode. We talk about how to capture and enhance the message that you're trying to convey and how we should lean into our creativity in order to do so. Max talks about how he believes we don't share the deep-seated things within ourselves and how important it is that we do this. He also talks about how creativity doesn't really care about our agenda, but rather only about the message that we're trying to convey. We also talk about being comfortable with failure, how a message is only as good as it's received, and how intention and thoughtfulness is of the utmost importance when creating content for an audience. He also mentions how if we have an idea, if we have a message that we want to convey, to just do it. So this is a great episode. I really look forward to hearing your thoughts on this one. I'm excited to not only share Max's insight, but also the incredible work that he is doing in his career. So let me please introduce Max Stossel. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ships Podcast. Today's guest is Max Stossel. Max, thank you so much for being with us thank today. Thank you for having me, Pat. I'm very excited to dive in this conversation with you. Just following the work that you've been doing, both with the Center for Humane Tech and then also your own work, is incredibly inspiring and very much in line with what we talk about on this podcast regarding the importance of genuine human connection in today's digital age. So I'm very excited to dive into this conversation with you. I'm glad to be here and glad to be aligned. <laughs> yes. So I'm wondering if you could just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and where does your journey on this path begin? Yeah, um, my name is Max Dossel. I am a poet and filmmaker and speaker. Uh, when my journey on which path, I guess we can go into the poetry stuff first, which is I heard a poet perform in a friend's living room, and I was just struck by how deeply the words resonated with me. And I'd never heard like poetry spoken or performed that way. And it just was really, I couldn't get out of my head. And on the way home, I started writing on the train about why I liked it. And that wasn't even something I had really done very often was to write like on the train. And I just, the first two lines of what I wrote rhymed. And I thought, no, I'm like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> and I wrote, a, I wrote a poem and saw him the next day and said, hey, like after you performed, I wrote something, do you want to hear it? And he sort of rolled their eyes. I think his, his eyes, I think that probably happens to him a lot. Um, but then afterwards he said like, wow, you should consider pursuing this. And I would write, you know, at work or in transit for a while. And when I wrote uh, Subway Love, which was the first poem that I that I wrote, that I felt like, wow, this is this is something I really would like to share. And when I would perform it or do, uh, do it at events, some people would come up to me and say, "Hey, can you can you share that poem with me? Can you send that to me?" And I would write it out on paper, and I would feel like, "Huh, this just isn't the same." If I'm just looking at the words on the page, how can I enter my art, this thing that feels so important to me into this digital environment in a way where the essence and the message will really be received. And I had at the time been doing a lot of social media work and digital storytelling work. So I really understood how different that digital environment was than to be standing in front of you and sharing or performing a piece. And so I cold called, uh, I first I was like, okay, who's gonna, who's gonna do this? Who's gonna help me? I need a videographer. I need someone who's gonna make this. And I wanted to find somebody who was really good at creating uh, visuals that enhanced the message. I feel like there's a lot of content on the internet that just is a lot of visual candy, but doesn't really enhance the message. And I wanted someone who would enhance the message. And I don't know if you saw the David Foster Wallace condensed short of like the This Is Water in the grocery store video. Did you see that? I think I might have. A while ago. Though. A while ago. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this was, I think, probably like 2015 that that came out. And uh, I just thought, wow, they did such a good job of just bringing these words to life. I would love to work with this person. I looked up who made it. I cold called their office. Uh, and I ended up like performing the poem for him on the phone. I had no idea. If he had... <laughs> what? what was that like? I, I was like, hey, actually, and I, I honestly, I lied to his assistant too to get him on the phone. <laughs> I was like, hey, like I'm working on like a project with some, I don't know, I said some channel and I wanted to see if Matt, I can't tell you much about it, but I wanted to see if Matt would be interested. He got on the phone. He's like, what is this? And I was like, hey, none of that was true. I just really want to work with you on this thing. Can I perform this poem <laughs> for you over the phone? He was like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I dive in and at the end, I had no idea if he had hung up on me in the middle, quite frankly. Uh, but at the end, he was like, Okay, that was cool. What do you want to do? Um, and I was like, 
I want to turn this into a, you know, just the story of this. I want to turn it into a short film. Will you like make this with me? And he was like, what's your budget? And I was like, I don't have a budget, but like, what, I don't know. What is it, what is it going to cost? Like, I'm really, I'm just a poet. I'm trying to make this and spread this message. And he was like, just fly me to New York and we'll make it work and it'll be fine. Wow. Um, and he, this is like, he's an expensive director. He's incredibly talented. Was so he I'm out in Los Angeles? Busy. Yeah. I got very lucky that he was willing to do that. Um, Matt Friedel is his name and he's incredibly talented. The Glossary is his, uh, his production company. And yeah, and I also so lucked out in that he was a director and editor and effects person, a like, you know, he did the whole gamut, which is very wow. rare for videographers. And at the time I was like, I just need a video person, which in <laughs> retrospect was really naive. There's so <laughs> many people that go into making this and he happened right. to be a rare breed of the whole package. Um, but so the, I posted that. I started writing an email to some friends being like, wanted to tell them about it. By the time I'd finished the email, it had started going viral. I didn't even end up sending the email. Um, and, and yeah, that sort of launched into my recognizability in doing this work of spreading messages to the world. And since I've been on that journey, I've made a couple other videos that did quite well online and have won some awards and been seen millions of times. And I say that not to be braggy because there's so much stuff out there and I like to say those as they, the content does stand out. And more recently, I've been doing these shows. I've been performing at conferences and events for a while, but I've just started this year doing my own one-man show um, of Words That Move and that's been done a couple in New York. I'm preparing for one in LA on November 6th and it's been amazing to have my own container where I can stand on stage and talk about the issues that I feel are so important and that people can leave so spiritually fed and excited about it. Um, I love the shows. I'll be doing that for a long time with new shows and new material as they come in. And I highly recommend to your listener listeners out there to check this show out. It's incredible. Max, what I really loved about this show was your willingness to be so vulnerable in it. And you. you talk a, about a lot of big societal issues that we're facing in our day and age today, but then you also bring yourself to the show as well. And so for our listeners out there, I highly recommend checking out this show when, whenever you might be doing it again. Thanks so much. Yeah, I was uh, glad that you got to, got to come and witness it. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I'm curious if you could also talk about, so, you know, you have uh, really this established career as a poet, which I don't think a lot of people can say. A lot of people uh, aspire to be poets, but you're really figuring out a way to do it in an effective manner that is resonating with a lot of people. And I imagine that's also due to your filmmaking experience or what has become your filmmaking experience. So I'm wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. How do you use film to present your poetry? And how do you believe that film is an effective medium? Or how do you think it's such an effective medium for a wide audience? Yeah, what went into, as I was trying to create Subway Love, I was thinking to myself, what can I do to make this stand out from all of this content? And there's some stat that like, I believe this is an old stat too, in like 2003, I might be too old, but 2003, I think the amount of content created in 48 hours was the same as like the beginning of time, like up to, or like up to 2000, I'm butchering that stat. Anyway, the amount oh of content gosh. that is created in 48 hours is so gigantic. I think with digital content, having a truly brutally honest look at yourself of like, and your work of why should anybody care? 
Like, why is anybody going to care about this and my stuff and watch this just because it's me? Like, what? Like, why is this important enough to watch or share? And it's hard because that also can be totally crippling. Like, that can be totally paralyzing to hold that kind of standard. Um, and I sort of see it as there are two ways of, two schools of thought in the Gary Vaynerchuk version, which is like, just create, create, create. You have no idea what's going to be valuable to an audience and just put stuff out there. And I think if you, if you go that route, like, great. I think that works for a lot of people too. For me, I was also one very insecure of just like sharing whatever. If I'm going to stand on stage and talk to this whole group, I want it to be what I feel is like worthy of their time and attention. And so it felt very good for me to have like a couple of really established pieces. And I now feel much freer to just kind of share what's what's coming up because I feel my brand is more established. Um, and there's a lot of different routes. I mean, there are poets like Rupi Kapoor and they're like poets who are writing poetry books. And I would like to do that in the future. But right now I've been much more focused on performing and like being on stage. I think I've gone more of an entertainer route, which in some way was helpful because there are a lot of people trying to trying to break through as poets and in some ways the word is crippling for my career and in other ways it's helpful as I I'm not I'm not what you expect when you go to a spoken word night or like I'm not really doing in some ways I am doing the same thing in other ways I'm not it's more entertain it's more entertainment focused I would say it's more it's different it's hard to explain and I, I think all of that work is beautiful too or a lot of it I really enjoy but it feels like you're going to a different thing when you go to an open night mic night or spoken word than what I'm doing but it is sort of spoken word so it's hard to it's hard to classify and unfortunately as we were talking about before the mics came on until you experience the show it's very hard to tell people <laughs> yeah. what the heck it is that I'm doing but films have been helpful for me in like as also something to point to it can be like hey who is this guy why does he stand out he's got some videos with millions of views on them and that's been helpful for me uh but for a while too like i'll send those to people and they'll be like i don't get it what's he gonna do on stage um because they're so different than what the show is so i think having content that is more focused on and similar to what you're actually doing when you get on stage is part of the game too right and i think you also do a good job of wetting the appetite with your films and really making people curious. Oh, like, Oh, what is this Max Stossel guy about? Like, I'm going to go check out his show because he has made me very curious through the, all the content that he has created. Thank so I, I think in some going for sometimes I feel like it doesn't do a good enough job of that. But so I appreciate you. Yeah. Like I think in that. some ways, like as, as a live performer, that's almost the best route to go because your wheelhouse is going to be that live performance. Once people are in front of you, once you have an audience, a, a physical audience, and I, I feel like as a as a live performer, using film, using media, using the internet, it really is all about like wetting that appetite. And I know when I when I watch your videos, I want to see more. I want to know more about Max Stossel. And so I think that's something that you do really well. How do you think in your show, Words That Move, maybe you could talk with our listeners. I know we were just saying that it's a very difficult show to kind of explain what it is. But if you had to explain what it is, how would you? Yeah, I often say, of like, if I could explain, I wouldn't have to do it. Um, but what I will say is, what I think my, my work does is it's a, it's a shift in perspective. And we're so, 
communication is so hard. I'll be the first to say that like words are very far removed from what is happening around us. I have an experience. I turn that experience into thoughts and feelings, and then those thoughts and feelings get turned into words. That's like going on Google Translate and translating something through to another language and then back and then back again. <laughs> and that's, that's talking. That's what we do. And it's pretty good. It points us in sort of the right direction and it's close. But we're actually pretty far away from sharing the deep-seated experience that is going on inside of us. And I think what my poems do at their best is like we get there for a couple of moments together. It's like we are all in this room. We are looking at the same thing from the same place together and we're seeing the deeper meaning and deeper insight in our world on a variety of different issues and we all get to look at that truly from the same place and I think that is underratedly difficult because you know the old smoking weed in your dorm room thing of when I see red and you see red is it the same red it's like we've got that <laughs> like there's there really it's our experiences are so disconnected from one another and I think there's something about shaping words in this way and that's not just the word, it's the whole beyond them, it's the whole performance. There's something about this experience that helps us see the world together for a moment, like truly at that essence point. And that's what it is on a variety of different topics that we're facing in our time from porn to puppies to politics, as a friend put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, covering all the spectrum. All the spectrum. <laughs> and I think that what is really important as artists that I see in your work, that I pursue in my work, that I think artists do in general, is really to create art that is specific to the time, or maybe even reflecting to a pastime, really trying to make a comment in some form of our world. And I think a lot of artists struggle with that sometimes. I think that, yes, they ha might have the topics that they want to discuss, but they don't know how to, how to go about it. Or they are like, I just want to create a play. I just want to create a song. But then it's kind of the inverse. They don't know what to write about. And in your work, I'm wondering if you could speak to our listeners. How do you take topics as big as technology or as big as the larger problems in the world and condense them down into a spoken word poem that really engages an audience? How do you take these big ideas and then put it through an artistic lens? Yeah, I love that question. Um, and it's, so it's right on the money because also, I mean, this show was I had it's nine poems that I, I each existed separately and were born out of me looking around at the world, feeling some kind of deep emotion about them, getting inspired and being like, I just need to need to talk about this thing. And it just coming out that way. And then afterwards, the process of being like, OK, can I turn this into a show? Like, can I put these pieces together to like tell a cohesive story that works? And. I think so often, and I run into this as an artist every day, where it's like, okay, what's my next show going to be? Let me craft a show. And, like, creativity does not give a shit, like, about our agenda. Like, it just doesn't. Like, it's I got like its that. own... I like that. That's good. It's yeah. got its own thing. And so it's funny because, like, it's so hard to sit down and be like, okay, I want to write about this, and so how can I make sure I, I capture this? And, like, sometimes, and sometimes that works... But I feel most of the time my best work or most inspired work is just like, it just needs to come out. And then it's like, okay, wow, this is the form that it wanted to take. Oh, well, now this is starting to come together like this. I guess that could be, does that want to be a play? Does that want to be a video? Does that want to be me sitting on the street and pulling somebody into an experience? Like, 
what does the message want and how does the message want to come out um and that does take experimentation and you might not know all the time but like i i think like i'm much more curious about what wants to come out of people than what people want to sit and point their creativity at and i feel like the best work comes from when when it's that first one and not that second one for me yeah that's so well put is what what how did you just say that how the message can come out of someone or that that's what is resonant and i love what you're saying that create creativity it's it's not about the agenda it's really just what's flowing through you what's going on in this flow state yeah it really is this almost intoxicating energy that we have as artists and being able to share it with a population. Yeah. And like, sometimes it's a moment, right? Sometimes I'll just ex- experience one and I'll be like, Ooh, I'll get excited. Cause it's in my identity now. Right? Like, Oh, I'm a poet. I'm a writer. When it comes, I got to capture it. I got to share it. Oh my God, it's here. I got to do something with it. But then sometimes it just like, Ooh, like that one just was an experience was a moment. That one's not about writing down. Okay. Um, some part of me is like, ah, like, Okay, darn, like not new material. That one just... <laughs> yeah, um, uh, get them next time. <laughs> uh, but it's, I really think it's it's so funny because we do, and we have temptation, especially as people who are trying to make art into our business. It's like, well, okay, how does this make money? And I can't like, I don't think the creativity cares like about that question. We care about it. We try to steer it towards it. Yeah. But it's this funny battle that we do with it where all of a sudden it starts being about that. And how can we, how can we do, and also like, and I'm, I'm blessed to have had all different sort of privileges and educations and ways in which I have other income streams or like savings and things like that, that I have the freedom to like be able to do this and not worry about that so much. And I want to recognize that not everybody has that and that's not fair, but like, it's also given me the freedom to be able to notice and look at it as like, huh, I'm watching my money thoughts creep in here and the creativity doesn't care about the money thoughts. Like, that's not what, where it actually wants to come from. Can I put that aside? Just what wants to happen? And can it be okay if that's a total public disaster? Like, if that's not what people wanted, but that's what's coming out. Right. Great. It's really hard in our social media culture to be comfortable with failure or things not being received well. For myself, and too. It's like, it's very hard for me to post something and be like, this isn't getting likes. This isn't getting... The approval that I wanted and it would be even more so if I were to like do a show that I loved and people didn't love oh that would be really hard for me and really heartbreaking because it be, it's, it's vulnerable it's who I am it's like such a part of me that I feel so passionate about and very easy to be like oh am I not good but I think some of the work of as an artist is being able to be like oh this is what wants to come out great that's out does that want to go further does that want to go further when is it time for a new thing um, and that's our I think personal journey work that I far from having mastered here, have not had that all figured out, but that's, I strive for that. How do you find that you get over that, that hump or that hill? As you were just saying, you're expressing your vulnerability. And I feel like specifically with poetry, you're really writing your soul down on a piece of paper and then going one step further and performing that. Not even a lot of poets do that. So in your position, how, how do you get over that hump of being like, okay, this is my soul that I'm presenting to you. Take it or leave it. Hopefully you take it. But there is that chance where, like you said, there might be uh, a line that drops or 
Maybe something won't resonate with the audience. So how do you get over to that point where it's like, okay, I'm just going to do it and see what happens? I've never really had a fear of public speaking. A lot of that in my family. Um, but also, there, a piece of me feels like poetry is a defense mechanism in this way, where it's like, if I were to tell you, just like, hey, like, here, like, I really struggled with porn, like, growing up, and it taught me about sex in all these really damaging ways, and, like, I'm still recovering from that. Like, to me, that feels far more vulnerable than when I go into my porn poem, and I, it's crafted, it's cool, it's funny, it, like, has all these plays on words, like... I know that's going to be more positively received <laughs> than <laughs> me just saying some of this stuff. So for me, the poetry itself, like what you're, I think what you're reacting to is vulnerable. And I'd be curious for you to dive deeper into what you mean by him being vulnerable. But in some ways, it's a way of talking about hard things in a way that I know people are going to like because it's like it's got all this fun stuff in there. And yeah. it's like, oh, wow, like that landed and it rhymed and it had these cool metaphors and it like made me laugh. And so I feel much more comfortable standing on a stage and talking about it through poetry than I would just getting up and being like, guys, here's what I'm going through right now. That sounds way more terrifying <laughs> than doing it through Yeah, poetry. that's an interesting way to look at it. And that actually leads me to another question that I had. Uh, you, you have spoken at a wide variety of events, TED, TED events and events all over the world. Listeners out there just... Type into YouTube, Max Stossel. You'll be able to check out a bunch of his great talks that he has done. What I have noticed in some of the talks is that you actually present the talks through your poetry. And to kind of go off of this conversation that we just had, do you find that you're able to reach an audience more effectively in your experience through your poetry rather than, you know, your typical presentation? It really varies on the audience, um, and something that comes to me, it used to come to me a lot, not as relevant for me anymore, is a message is only as good as its ability to be received. And I think like in some environments, and like particular, particularly stuffier environments, sometimes like just getting on stage and starting to do poetry is like, what is this? Why? Like, this is a serious room. Why are we doing poetry? Um, and it makes me sad that, you know, that that's the case and that's the reaction. And so in some environments, it feels like I need to get out the slides and just talk about this and not do poetry. And in other environments, it feels like it cuts through a lot of the other noise. And it's like, oh, okay, this is different. And that landed more deeply. I think I am. I'm planting seeds in a lot of different people. And I've come to believe that more and more. That the poetry is a more effective seed planter than some of these. Like, look, I've explained this and I'm showing you with logic like that this is a truth versus like, let me just let me hit you in the soul with something. And it's funny, you mentioned write down your soul, or sorry, uh, like writing, uh, my barber, who I have an incredible relationship with, and he has three, like three master's degrees, one in divinity, one in cosmetology, one in theater, I talk about him in my show, um, he comes over every Monday and we write together, and he's just like, he was on his way to becoming a preacher, he's a gay man, decided to take a different route, but he cuts hair so he can have this one-on-one -on -one time to like deliver his sermons, and it's the most incredible thing. Wow. But he and I are, are like going to be starting a like opening up what we do on a weekly basis to more people, like writing workshops, where we talk about God and consciousness, go off and write, and then come back together and share what sort of came up for each of us. Wow. And we're going to call it Write Down Your Soul. So it's just so funny that you, uh, oh, that's that funny. you said that. It made me think of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, in those sort of, I mean, as I was telling you before you know, we started recording, 
so much of what we talk about on the ship's podcast is about the importance of human connection, the importance of building those relationships. And so that's very much in the wheelhouse of what we're talking about on this show. And to dive into that a little bit, I, I would love to specifically talk about your work in educating the public on technology, social media, the da- potential dangers involved with that, and then also your work with the Center for Humane Tech. Yeah, so the other side of my life here um, was when I was in college, I was looking for a job and they said, hey, you're young, go figure out social media. And this was around 2008, 2009, and Facebook and Twitter were just starting to gain popularity. And so brands were just starting to get on these things and all of a sudden I was able to garner leads for this startup on Facebook and Twitter and they were having trouble making sales. And so I realized, whoa, I can be good at something without going to school for it. Let me dive into this. I ended up graduating doing social strategy for Dove and Budweiser and companies like that. I met Gary Vaynerchuk through a mutual friend. He hired me on the spot, was like, let me mentor you. Um, And I was doing social media for a while, fell in love with startup world and was like, I know social media. Why don't I work on a social media startup? And at that time, we were told by investors that if we could hold people's attention for two minutes or longer, then we had a valuable company. And so I was thinking, all right, like what notifications can I send you that work versus other ones? Which friends' names do I show up first that might get you back into our experience? How many notifications a day should I send you? Oh, if we autoplay our videos, you spend a little bit more time in app. And so, so many of our decisions were about how do we grab your attention and hold it? And we weren't that good at it. We had like tens of thousands of users, not hundreds of thousands. But I realized in doing this that like Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, these companies were playing the same game we were and they were just much better than we were at this same game. And so I teamed up with, uh, with Tristan Harris, who was Google's former design ethicist, who has launched this movement that was Time Well Spent, now the Center for Humane Technology, uh, that's trying to change the way technology products are built to be more human-focused, to value the things that we care about in humanity. And so I spend one day a week working as uh, in education for that company. And I speak at a lot of high schools, colleges, um, to parents, teachers, educators about education in the age of distraction. And a lot of what I see is my role as a communicator in that is giving students a chance to like rebel is to say, hey, tech is great, obviously, for a lot of reasons, not trying to tell you it's not just there are some ways this isn't really designed to be on your team. And are you using this or is it using you and giving them like an opportunity to say, if you're not addicted, great. Do you want to try for a week, like putting this down with a group of friends? Don't try it alone because if you try it alone, it just sucks. Everyone's on social media, but you, what are you doing? But with a group of friends, try not being on social media for a week. How does it feel? What does that look like? And some of them like that. And it would be great to get more longitudinal data of what the process of going back looks like and how could you ease it back in or not. And it's early days for me in all of that, but most of my time with that organization is spent like preparing resources for and uh, talk, speaking to those groups. Um, And it's early and it's a huge task and I wish I had more to give people and I wish that there was more people working on this, but it's, it's a lot and starting somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a big issue, but I love what you were saying about you're really putting the the role or the responsibility on teenagers, on young adults. I recently had 
a woman by the name of Susan Reynolds on the podcast. She started an organization called Look Up Live, where she specifically works with Generation Z in figuring out ways to use technology more mindfully and really allowing for deeper connections amongst teenagers, young adults, people who grew up with this technology ever since they were really young. I'll have to connect you with her to go into the details, but what she does is that she, like what exactly what you were just saying, and this is something that I think is of the utmost importance or something that I've begun to feel is of the utmost importance, is giving agency to these kids. I think sometimes, or some people, I'm guilty of this as well, sometimes falls into the trap of being like, oh, okay, you should do this, you should do that in order to improve your life. Who am I to say whether or not, you know, this thing or that advice or this tip will improve your life? And so I really like your approach of educating and really giving these students the opportunity to change the course of their lives based on their decisions and say, hey, these are the facts. These are, you know, what we, this is what the research is saying. Do with it what you will. Yeah, and I think we totally need to change the platforms themselves so that they're better protecting us. Just like, it seems like while we're here where we are, might as well try to get the kids who are to, to do it themselves too. And it just feels to me like the most effective way of reaching them is not being like, this is what you should do and it's wrong and don't do it, but it's being like, hey, like this is what's going on. Like you don't want to feel like suckers that you're being manipulated by streaks. And there's a powerful moment um, in the room where I say, hey, raise your hand if you use Snapchat. Every hand in the auditorium goes up. Keep your hand up if you use streaks. Every hand's up. Keep your hand up if you like streaks. And then just about every hand in the room goes down. Wow. So like they can like together be like, oh yeah, like we're all doing this thing and we don't like doing it yeah. <laughs> so it gives this like yeah. okay like i guess maybe do i want to think about this different differently moment um which is yeah in some ways like that's the most valuable moment of me coming in anywhere it's just <laughs> all of them recognizing yeah that it's like oh wait together. a second <laughs> yeah so you know talking about your experience straight out of college having this opportunity to work with gary vaynerchuk who's always talking about the importance of putting out content, putting out content, putting out content. A lot of great, valuable information in the work that he does. For our listeners out there, if you aren't familiar with him, just search him on YouTube. Like Max Stossel, you'll find a lot of great information on there. How do you balance that sort of mentality with the work that you're doing with Humane Tech and then also the work that you do as a poet, as a filmmaker, where it really is important to release that content, to have it out there. How do you strike that balance between all these seemingly combating ideas? Yeah, with great inner turmoil. <laughs> I strike <laughs> that balance. Um, yeah, it would be much better social media strategy for me to like post new things and do it all the time. I just as a, it doesn't feel aligned with who I am and how I want to be engaging. So I, I don't do that. Um, but like I am in the middle in this weird place and where I've come to with it is that on every post on Instagram, Facebook that I make, I try to add my everything is a lie hashtag to it of like trying to let people into the like inner workings and the ways that I'm being sort of subtly deceitful by making the post which of course yes. layers because then of course there's more subtle deceit in the subtle deceitfulness and it goes on and on and on but yeah. I try to I try to as I'm posting 
also be opening up more thoughtfulness or conversation about intention in social media. I've come where I am right now is that so much of this is about intention. It's like and Gary, like Gary talks about how maybe you share a piece of content that changes or saves one person's life. And like literally right there, everything is worth it, you know? And so if you're really like thinking to yourself, wow, like what do I want to share that one person really needs to hear right now? Like what a beautiful way to share. Or what, like when you experience something and you're like, oh my God, this is so remarkable, incredible, inspiring, whatever. I just have to share this. Those are great reasons to share. It just feels like more often than not, it's coming from some other place of whether it's this need for validation or whether it's this like, I haven't posted something, I want to post something or whether it's like, and then it's easy to trick ourselves into thinking like, well, no, that, that's inspiring. I want to share this because it's inspiring when really we're just like, I, like love me, love me, love me. Yeah. Um, and so this is a self-awareness game too and that's not an easy one. Right. I'm sure that you're, you know who Jay Shetty is, of course. Yeah. What I love about a lot of what he talks about is the importance of setting an intention, setting like a daily intention for how you live out your day. And I think that's of the utmost importance with regards to technology as well, as you were just saying is, yes, it's okay to post frequently so long as you have an intention behind it, so long as it's a, a purposeful post and it's not just posting willy-nilly oh look at my sandwich i mean not judging people who post their sandwiches but i mean a little right okay. <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean also any yeah, what's okay what's not okay i don't know yeah, I don't yeah. Say what's okay and what's not okay right but yeah but for me i believe like more thoughtfulness and more intentionality in that space is powerful because also we don't often see or understand that the state of consciousness the person we're talking to is in is most likely in a moment of boredom, a moment of mindlessness, like 3 a.m. They're just sort of like feeling down or caught in a loop. And that's when they're looking at something. And so like, what, like, would we talk to those people the same way that we talk on social media? It's like, would we choose to show how great and awesome everything is like to someone who's kind of like sitting there and feeling down about themselves. Like, would we communicate with them the same way? Probably not, but we're not seeing the other side of this conversation. We're also, we're not seeing the eye rolls. I think so many posts on social media like are met with eye rolls. Like, and if we said something to someone and then they rolled their eyes at us, we might like actually change our behavior about how we communicate or how we share, but we're not getting the feedback of the eye rolls. We're just getting the taps on the shoulder of like, oh, like, 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 good job, good job, good job. Or very angry people being like, how could you say this? Da, 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 da. <laughs> it's a very polarized way of communicating. Um, but yeah, I personally believe more intentionality is a very helpful tool to, to thinking about social media. Yeah. How do you think that whether it's artists, poets, filmmakers, actors, musicians, people who would describe themselves are, as artists, or even just someone who may not see themselves as artistic, may not see themselves as super creative, but might have a hobby, they might enjoy knitting, they might enjoy painting on the side while working a standard nine to five. How do you think that we as a people can lean into our strengths, can lean into our talents and skill sets to communicate a message that we want to share. Lean into our skill sets and our talents to communicate a lesson, a message that we want to share. Yeah. 
just do it. <laughs> um, where's where's the pain point for you, or what you're, what's what's stopping you? I guess you're not. You're doing this here, but what do you think is what do you think is stopping people? I th- I think a lot of people don't know what their message is, or which what I, their which I think is d- a very healthy doubt. Of yeah. Like, okay. What what am I comfortable standing in front of a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand people? And announcing like that is a responsibility. We should take that seriously. Um, and I think, like you know, there's I struggle with the Instagram or social media culture that it feels like everything needs to be a lesson. And look what I just like learned, and I have found this new light. And holy God, I want to share that with you. It's like that doesn't seem to line up with the timing of lessons in our lives. You know, like it's we're we're making we're we're pulling on truth in ways that doesn't feel comfortable to me yeah um and so like i i like some healthy skepticism and doubt of like should i share this is this something that i want to announce to the world i think we could personally i think we could use some more of that and it's a spectrum for some people some people are like so caught up in their own doubt and they can just can they just release it and share something and other people it's like there, there might be might be helpful to have some doubt or some skepticism about what is or isn't worth sharing what's having a positive impact on people versus maybe not so positive but it's hard and to each their own um yeah but like it's you know lean into your leaning into your talents and creativity versus leaning into your talents and creativity on social media i think huh. those are two very different things yeah and yeah. i would highly encourage everybody to lean into their talents and social and to their talents and creativity <laughs> And then, yeah, like those things don't need to be looped together with social media. Let that be a separate beast. How do I want to take this thing that I'm doing and how do I want to announce it to the world? Do I want to announce it to the world? Yes. That's so important. I think that we have a tendency to, if we don't post about it and we don't share it, does it exist? Yeah. And in my opinion, it absolutely does. And we don't necessarily need to share it with our Facebook friends for it to be something real, for it to be something authentic and true to who we are and what we may or may not want to share. And so I I really love what you said about those two things being different, to lean into your skills, your talents, your creativity in a way that is not it's not necessarily doing all of that on social media they're two separate Separate things yeah yeah i really think they are they are two separate things and it's like for most of history like what a ridiculous concept of like if i didn't announce like call sharing announcing to people if i didn't tell everybody something happened it didn't happen like our whole private lives and there's a there's a internal versus external validation thing happening here too where i think internal validation is often slower and often more fulfilling and external validation especially in social media culture is can be immediate of either i'm getting the likes or i'm not getting the likes people are seeing this or they're not seeing it um but it's very it's like a drug it's very easy to get caught up in in that and start doing the action creating what we're creating for that and i noticed that in my art of like i started journal like when i started journaling a couple years ago and the second day I was journaling, I was like, oh, this is good. I'm going to share this. And then I did. And then the third day, I noticed as I was writing that I was like, I'm considering now how people are going to react to this. Like that, those thoughts have mm. seeped into my writing. I'm now no longer just doing this for the act. Social media has creeped in. And that was like, that was from posting once. It's like, so I think it's very hard to not let the, ooh, likes, fun, approval, love me, love me, love me. It's hard to not let that seep in 
to what we're doing and creating, but they are two very separate things. Oh, it's so important to remember that. <laughs> yeah. so, especially and hard to remember. Yeah, and especially as creators too. That, and I, okay, I guess this this is another question then. So you're you're creating. Obviously, I think as artists, many times we create for ourselves. But we also want to create for other people. We also want to create a message or a piece of art that is going to resonate with people. As I'm sure is the case in words that move, you want, you want these words to move your audience. And so what, where is that line then of creating work that is authentic to you, that is for you, and then also in a way providing a service for an audience? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's a hard one. And I think, honestly, this is one of my inherent gifts that is hard to explain, is that like I've always had a really good sense for what types of messages or what types of things are going to be well-received. Like I have a very good internal compass for that, and as I'm writing, I can notice, and I'll like make a note, or like I'll write, I'll let the flow keep going, and then I'll just mentally note, I'll be like, oh, like that part, People like I get that people aren't going to get that. So if I want to share this, I should go back and and make sure that people can get get that if I'm writing for an audience. And then I have plenty of writing that is for me and like isn't shared. It's about me processing what I'm going through and and how to do that. Um, but yeah, how do you like how much should we do each? Depends on depends on what you want and what you want to be what you want to be doing. But in each instance, I think letting the creativity drive. But I think many of the poems that have come through me have wanted to be shared and have come out in language that is helpful for that. And I think letting it drive of like, ooh, this I just need to, I just need to keep going and, and write out. And actually, and I notice like, sometimes it shows up where it's like, oh, that's so perfect and only I or two friends are gonna get that. And it's like, but the metaphor ties in in all the different ways and I just love it. And that's actually something that's been really fulfilling about these writing sessions and write down your soul, the beyond words I call it with my barber where it's like we were just talking about this thing and then yes, you can just reference something in a word and you get it. And maybe that's something good about playwriting too that I just haven't stepped in yet where you can set the stage or the theme to let the audience in on a metaphor or something that's essential for the understanding of the of the of the work. But what feels true? Yeah, it feels true is like is is right yeah, what it's hard. I feel like a hypocrite. Because like I wanna say right for you and that feels true for me now in the beginning it was very much like right for an audience and it was like make sure that people can get that and hear that and I think that was helpful in getting to where I've gotten today and I'm only now shifting more towards right for me and then oh this like ooh, I want to make sure this is translates to an audience and I have that skill set yeah I don't think I have the right answer for others on that as it's been a weird journey for me yeah so it's a balancing act I'm sure Everything is. <laughs> so uh, I want to be very respectful of your time. I really appreciate, Max, you coming out and, and being on the show. And not only that, but I really appreciate the work that you're doing, the work that you're doing to share your creativity, to share your wisdom, to share your knowledge and experience with a larger audience. So thank you so much. Before heading out, I have one more question for you. It could be answered in a word, two words, a sentence. What is your definition of a genuine human relationship? A genuine human relationship. 
a genuine human relationship is genuine. That's <laughs> <laughs> genuine. That's not fair. A genuine human relationship. It's genuine. Yeah. I'm going to answer what I feel like the question is asking. Yeah. Which is like in our digital world of like we have all these different kinds of relationships, but like so what is like a deeper one or a more meaningful one? And yeah, and to me to me it's about seeing and being seen. It's like when you like really are like looking when you get where someone is coming from like at their depths. And it's just like I know, I see where you are and what you're going through and who you are and why you're doing what you're doing and to be seen that way is something that I crave and long for in my relationships too. And I mean I I love that. I love that so much. It's harder and harder to be authentic online or whatever the heck that actually means but yeah for me seeing and being seen great well max thank you so much before signing off where can our listeners find out more information about you and your work yeah you can find me at wordsthatmove.com um, or at max dossel as i try to criticize social media on social media and also share my work and we're all in this boat but yeah but i hope you'll the shows are what i'm so passionate about and so i hope you'll i hope you'll come see one of those if you're in la November 6th and maybe November 4th too on the West side, figuring that out. Um, but yeah, but thank you for listening and would love to see you there. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Max. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Max Stossel, everyone. Wow. What an amazing episode with Max. I hope that there were a lot of nuggets of information in there that you are able to take and implement into your lives, whether it be your relationships with your loved ones, with your family or your friends, or also with your professional network. So Max, thank you so much for coming on the ship's podcast and sharing your incredible insight and experience. If you liked this episode of Ships, please feel free to share it with a friend, leave a comment, leave a review. I would really appreciate that. Also, if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. Said voicemail may be released in a future episode of Ships, so feel free to call in. You also have the opportunity to support this podcast. Supporting this podcast will allow me to continue producing amazing episodes with inspiring guests just like Max. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to the Ships Podcast. I really appreciate you joining me and sharing in the message of the importance of human relationships. I look forward to joining you all in the next episode of Ships. Stay tuned.